Well, we've got um, big news this week, right? Uh, first of all, uh, the Lubbock Christian girls basketball team is national champs. Can we give it up for Lubbock Christian girls? That is awesome. Man, that is, that is amazing. Uh, more big news. Uh, we've got in a couple of weeks, uh, a, a baptism celebration we're going to be doing right here at Raider church. So if you've given your life to Jesus, you've never been baptized, uh, go to our connect form on our website, fill out that form, check that you've committed your life to Christ. You want to get baptized and, uh, our team will be in touch with you and get you signed up for our baptism celebration here in a couple of weeks. And then Easter is here. Easter's right around, uh, the corner. And if you are in town or maybe you want to stay in town after hearing this, we we are going to be doing a huge Easter service with kind of our big church, the city on Easter Sunday, 11 o'clock at the Civic Center Theater. We've met there several times for Raider Church over the years, but that's downtown. And we'd love to invite you to come and join us. If you're going to be in town, uh, if your family's going to be here, if you're from the area, whatever, you are invited uh, to an Easter celebration service uh, with us at the Civic Center Theater, 11 o'clock Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. So we'd love to have you come and join us. And then there's some other big news I'm forgetting though. There's one other thing I can't, oh yeah, there's a basketball tournament this weekend. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of uh, the final four before, but, but tech's going to be in this basketball tournament. Isn't that awesome? Um, And anybody going, anybody going to the tournament? I see, I see like a hand up, my hands up. Cause I'm going, <laughs> that's awesome. Isn't it? Y'all aren't that happy for me. My, my kids weren't that happy for me either. I'm like, I'm going. They're like, are we going with you? I'm like, no, I, you're not. And they're like, they're crying and upset. Well, we, why aren't you taking us with it? I'm like, I don't have the money to take all you people with me. Okay. So, so, so here's the other thing though. We, we did have uh, the money though, to go get them jerseys and shirts and all that kind of stuff. And here's all I got to tell you guys. Okay. You, you better study hard and, and you better make good grades and get a great job because one day, some of you guys, you're going to have wives and husbands and kids and they are expensive. Okay. We dropped an ungodly amount of money this week on final four gear and jerseys. And yes, I'm sporting one of them, but I also had to buy four other people's clothes. And, um, that, that was insane. Okay. So get good grades, get good jobs and make a lot of money so you can provide for your family and final four trips and things like that. So, so, okay. So that's, we got, we got big news. Okay. But we are starting a a new series tonight called the purge. We're going to be going there over the next few weeks. And so if you got a Bible, go to John 15. We're going to be there in just a minute. But some of you guys know this. If you've been around a while, you know, years ago, my wife and I got a foreclosed house. So it was on the market. It was up for bid. We put in a ridiculously low offer and uh, it got accepted. And so we got this house that had been foreclosed on and it had been dormant. Like no one had been living there. Uh, for over a year. And so there were a lot of problems. There were a lot of things that we had to change and, and, and fix up. And, and, and we totally remodeled, gutted this whole house. Now I know some of you are looking at me and you're like, Clayton, I'm sure you did all that work yourself. You know what? You are absolutely wrong. I did none of the work my, myself. I know I look like a handyman. Okay. And I know if you, you know me well, like I look like that, like I, like I look like I could do some remodeling and plumbing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you would be wrong. I can't do any of that stuff. Okay. Now I can do a little bit of landscaping and there was a lot of landscaping work to do. I'm sure you can imagine with a house being dormant, no one living there for over a year. Uh, the grass was out of control. The weeds were out of control. The bushes were out of control. I mean, everything was out of Control. And so here's the house when we first got it, the top picture right here. So it was foreclosed. And um, you can see over here, um, if you, you look on the screen, you can see this bush on the right. Now, this is a bush and um, it was an ugly bush. I don't know if you can tell, uh, but it had been not kept for a long time. And so this bush on the right, I was told was actually a tree. And I'm like, that's not a tree. I don't, you, you, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but that's not a tree. And they said, they, they told me, they said, no, it's a tree. It just hasn't been 
pruned. It hasn't been taken care of over the years. And so it looks like a bush. And here's what I was told. And I'm not sure about this because it's hard for me to believe, but this is what I was told that this bush, it looks like a bush. It's actually a tree. Okay. So this bush tree thing, okay. Shrub, whatever is the same as this tree over here or this tree right here. You can tell it's bigger than the house. It's huge. It's got leaves everywhere. It was a beautiful tree. It provided all this shade. It was an awesome tree. And they're telling me when we got this house, this is the same as that or that. And I'm like, no, it's not like, are are you blind? Like it's not the same. And they told me, no, 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 no. This tree over here on the left has been taken care of. It's been pruned. And so it's grown the way that it's supposed to grow. This ugly looking bush shrub tree thing over here has not been taken care of. And so it hasn't grown the way that it's supposed to grow. Now, some of you guys are in horticulture or whatever the science is. I don't know. And you know more about this stuff than I do. Okay. All I know is I was told to get some of these things. You're like, what is this stuff over here? This stuff's scaring me. Okay. I was told to get some of these things and to start cutting the branches on this tree at the base to cut back those branches, to prune it. And then if I did that over the years, it would grow. Well, here's the house when we sold it. You might be able to tell, you go back to the full screen on the picture there, you might be able to see it. Um, You can tell the tree on the right, from the top to the bottom, you can tell how much it's grown, right? I mean, now it's almost above the house line, okay? And so now it's providing some shade. It's got some trunks at the bottom. It wasn't taken care of. So there was like six or eight different trunks at the bottom. There shouldn't have been. There should have only been two or three. But now it's growing because I was pruning it. I was using these big things and I was chopping off the limbs. I had this saw thing and I was sawing off the bigger limbs at the bottom so that it would grow. And so over three years or so, we first got it, we did some landscaping, we took care of it, we pruned it, and this is what happened. The tree grew and it began to look a little bit more like the one on the left. It began to look more like the way it was supposed to look, the way it was designed to look. And did you know that God wants to do the exact same thing in your life? He wants to take this to your life. And you're like, get me out of here. Okay. What are we, what are we doing tonight? This is your, you're scaring me. It's the purge. Okay. It's supposed to be scary. Okay. God wants to take some of these things to your life for your good, for your joy, so that you can experience God's best in your life. God always wants to make your life better and he wants to make you better at life. Now that doesn't mean we're gonna go through problems. It doesn't mean there's not gonna be trials. We've done many series on things like that and what that looks like and how we respond in those moments and in those times. But God wants your life to be better than it is. He does. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper. He wants you to flourish and to grow just like that tree did. He wants that for your life. He wants to make your life better and he wants to make you better at life. And in this series, we're going to look at who does that, how that happens, why it happens, what it looks like, and what's the end result. And it's going to be awesome. And I want to invite you to be here for each week of the series. Bring a friend. Because I believe God wants to do a powerful work in you, just like, happened, like what happened with that tree, where it began to look like the way it was designed to look. It began to function the way it was designed to function. Before, it was an ugly shrub. But over time, it, it began to turn into this beautiful tree. And God wants to do the same thing in your life. So go to John chapter 15. John 15, if you don't have a Bible, not in the translation you understand very well, go to RaiderChurch.com on your phone, uh, select sermon notes. You can follow along with us. The the verses and the points uh, will be there for you so you can follow along with us. So John chapter 15, Jesus is going to talk about in this series, we're going to look, we're just going to break down this passage verse by verse and just look at what is Jesus saying? What does it look like to grow and to prosper and to flourish? And the way this tree flourished over those years as I took care of it. So John chapter 15, let's go. Here's what Jesus says, starting in verse one. He says this, I, Jesus says, am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now that's important. If you got your Bible, 
circle it, underline it, uh, highlight it in your Bible if you're on you version or whatever. Jesus says, I'm the vine. My father is the gardener. And so what does the gardener do? What does the father do? Well, let's look. He says, he, Jesus says, the, the gardener cuts off every branch in me. Now remember, this is Jesus talking. So this isn't, this me isn't necessarily you. Jesus is saying, and we'll get to that here in a second. Jesus is saying, he cuts off every branch in me. So Jesus is saying, in me, he cuts off every branch. Jesus referring to himself. Not necessarily for you. We'll get there. But right now, Jesus is saying, he cuts off every branch in me that what? That bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do with the, with the branches that do bear some fruit? He says, he prunes them so that they will be even what? More fruitful. You could also use, say for this word more uh, so that it could flourish, so that it could prosper, so that it could grow, so that that branch can be more fruitful. That's the point. That's the point of the, the pruning process. That's the, the point. Actually, we got this word, the purge, not just from the movie, but the idea in Greek behind pruning is actually purging too. And so the whole point of the purge, the the prune is to make you more fruitful so that you'll flourish, grow, and prosper. And so Jesus says, my father is the gardener and he cuts off the branches that don't bear fruit. And then he prunes the ones that do bear fruit so that they'll be even more fruitful. So, so here's, the, here's the first question. Who is the one that's doing the pruning? Who, who's the one that's doing the pruning, that's doing the cutting? Well, Jesus says... His father is the one doing it. His father is the gardener. So, so here's what you got to understand right from the very beginning. You are not the gardener in this story. You are not. I'm not for you. You are not the gardener. I don't do that for you. No one else does that for you. Jesus says the gardener is his father. His father is the one doing the pruning, the cutting, the tree or the vine does not prune itself. It doesn't cut off the dead stuff itself. It has to have a gardener come in and do it for you. So Jesus says, you, you want to become more fruitful? You want to be like that, that tree that I was talking about to grow and prosper and, and flourish? In other, here's what Jesus said. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it for, your, there's for yourself. There's no amount of self-effort or decision or might that a tree can have to cut off its own branches to prune itself. It could try all at once. It could convince itself that I can do it. And Jesus is making the point. A tree, a vine can't do that for itself. It has to have an outside presence, an outside force, a gardener come and do it for you. Paul said this in Philippians chapter one. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you. Now he's talking to some Christians, some followers of Jesus at this church at Philippi, the Philippians. And he's saying, I'm confident that God who began a good work in you. In other words, he's talking to people who are followers of Jesus. They've given their life to Christ. And Paul's saying that God is the one who did the work in you. He began a good work in you when you gave your life to Christ. When you believed, Paul is saying, God began a new work, a good work within you. This wasn't a one and done thing. This wasn't a decision or a prayer you just prayed and now you're good for the rest of your life. No, no, no. Paul's saying God began something in you. He started something new in you. And so when you gave your life to Christ, that was just the beginning. That was just the, the beginning. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just where it all starts. It's the beginning of the race. It's not the end of the race. And so Paul says, God began a good work within you when you gave your life to Jesus. But watch what happens. God, I'm certain the God, the one who began the good work within you, is going to continue whose work? His work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. So, so here's what Paul is saying. God began a good work in you when you gave your life to Christ. And he's going to continue to work. He's going to carry it on to completion his work in you until one day it's going to be finally finished. And that's when Jesus returns. 
So in other words, when you give your life to Jesus, you enter this lifelong process of being pruned so that you can be more fruitful, more and more fruitful, so that you can flourish, so that you can grow. And it continues day after day after day until the day that Jesus returns or until the day you stand before Jesus. Paul says, God began the work in you and he's going to continue to work in you day after day, helping you become more and more fruitful. But it's God that does it. It's God who's doing the work in us. It's God who's doing the the pruning, the, the cutting. And this gardener, God, has two jobs, Jesus says. And here's the the two jobs. To cut off the branches that don't bear fruit, that have no life, that are keeping the tree from growing, that are keeping the vine from growing and being more fruitful. The gardener will cut off those branches that have no life, that are death and that are holding the tree back, holding the vine back. And here's the second job, to prune the branches that do bear fruit, making them even more fruitful. So that's the two jobs of the gardener. Jesus says, and the gardener is his Father. So question, who or what are these branches? Who or what are are, are these branches? Now, my guess is if you're a follower of Jesus and you've read this passage before, you've heard it before or whatever, here's my guess of the way that you've interpreted this, the way that you've, or what you've thought this means, in other words. That there are things in my life that are dead and Jesus is going to cut those out of my life. And there are things in my life that aren't dead, that are are alive, that that have borne some fruit. And he's going to prune those and he's going to make those even more prosperous or more fruitful. And you would be right in the second application of that. That's the the branch that, that has borne some fruit. And Jesus comes and says, my father, the gardener, is going to prune that vine, that branch, so that it can be even more fruitful. That's speaking to us as followers of Jesus. But the first thing Jesus says the gardener does is important to not miss. Because while the second application of this is true for you and I, that there are things that are dead in our life that are holding us back, that just breathe death, that are destroying us, that are bringing decay, whether that's people, toxic people, situations, relationships, whatever it is, sin that, that God wants to get rid of. He wants to cut it out of our life. While that's true, it's not really at least the first meaning that Jesus has in mind here. Let, let, let me tell you what's, what's happening here. Let me show you what's happening here. Notice that Jesus said, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So Jesus is saying, God's doing this in him, Jesus. So what is he, what is it, what is he talking about? Who are these two branches that Jesus is referring to? Jesus is saying that the first branch that's dead has no life, that the father comes and cuts off. We learn later that he takes those branches that have been cut off and he throws them into a fire. So here's what Jesus is saying. These two branches represent two different kinds of people. The branches that are dead represent people who do not follow Christ, have not given their life to Jesus. There's no fruit. There's nothing to show for the claims that they make about themselves. Sure, they may go to church, they may go through a religious routine, they may go through the external, mechanical, uh, religious routines and may think they're real live branches. But Jesus says there's really no no fruit to, to show, to back up that claim. And they're dead. And so Jesus says his father, the gardener, comes and will come one day And will cut away those branches and he will throw them into the fire. But the branch that bears fruit, Jesus said, represents, here's what he's saying, represents those that do follow Jesus, have given their life to Christ. And there is fruit to show, like there's something that backs it up, that proves what they're saying to be true. 
They've got some fruit to show for it. You say you're an apple tree, well, then you're going to produce apples. You say you're an orange tree, well, you're going to produce oranges. It's just the way it is. So these branches represent people who don't follow Jesus and people that do follow Jesus. At least that's the, that's the first, that's the initial application and meaning of what Jesus is really saying here. And so here's what Jesus is saying that those that follow Jesus will have life and will produce fruit. And those that don't follow Jesus do not have life, do not produce fruit. And those branches will be cut off and thrown into the fire. In other words, you're either looking more and more like Jesus or you're not. You're either growing and looking more and more like him or you're not. Now we stumble forward when a baby is learning to walk, they don't do it perfectly, but they stumble and they get back up and they try it again or they crawl and then they get back up and they, they try it again and they may stumble and they, they may trip, but they're stumbling forward. They're following forward. And a lot of times that's the Christian life. That's been true for me. I stumble forward. I'm, I'm, I'm crawling forward sometimes when I have to, but I'm looking more and more like Jesus as each day goes on. I'm his kid. And kids always begin to look more and more like their parents, act more and more like their parents, talk more and more like their parents. And some of you, that may scare you to death, but, but it's true. The same thing is true for a follower of Jesus. You're either growing and looking more and more like Jesus or you're not. And if you're not, it should cause you to question something. It should cause you to question whether you're really the branch that's alive or whether you're the branch that's dead. You see, here's what you've got to understand about this. We, we don't do to be right with God. We don't do to be right with God. We're made right with God. And, and so we do out of the overflow of that decision. We've been made righteous. And so now Paul says we live a life and worthy of the calling that we've received. We live righteously because that's who we are. But we don't do to be right with God. Or in other words, you could say it like this. Do doesn't change who. I can't do enough things to change who I am. Do doesn't change who. You flip it around. Who changes do. And so here's what Jesus is saying. You can look at your life and you can look at what you do and it reveals who, but it doesn't change who. James said it like this. Faith without works is dead. The natural overflow of faith is to produce works. It's to look more and more like Jesus. So do doesn't change who, who changes the do. And what we do, we can look at what we do and it reveals who we are. And so if there's no fruit, there's no do, it means who you are has not changed. First John says it like this. People were asking questions about those who made this claim to follow Jesus, but they weren't backing it up and they were still living in sin or they weren't willing to suffer the persecution that other followers of Jesus that the Christian church was suffering at this time. And they would turn away and they would leave the church and, and people were asking the disciples, well, what about these people? What, what's going on with these people? And here's how John explained it in first John. He said, they're going out from us. They're leaving from us shows this reveals this. They were never really one of us to begin with. It's not that they were something and then did something or messed up or changed the mind. And, and now that person, that who they are changed. No, that's not what John's saying. He's not, that's not what he's saying. He's saying they're leaving from us. They're going from us. Their lifestyle, their choices, what they're doing is showing they were never really one of us in the beginning. It's not that they were Christians and then somehow lost their salvation or something. No, John's saying they were never really one of us because what we do reveals who. And if you look at your life and you look back over the years and you can't really tell that you're looking more and more like Jesus, talking more and more like Jesus, caring more and more about the things that Jesus cares about. It's not, this, this isn't the answer. The answer is, well, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do more. That's not the answer. If you look at your life and you don't see the fruit, the answer is not in doing more or doing better or trying harder. 
Who you are has to change. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are dead in our sin. We're dead. There's nothing we can do to change that. A dead person can't do anything. So watch this. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. And watch this. He didn't come to make bad people good or people who think they're good because the Bible says there's no one good. But some people think they're good and they just think, well, Jesus is here to make me better. He's here to make me a better person. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good or, or good people better. Here's what he came to do. He came to make dead people alive. The dead branches come to life and who they are changes. They're dead, Ephesians 2 says, and their trespasses and their sin. But God, because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ Jesus when he rose Jesus from the dead. That's what it says in Ephesians 2 verse 5. We were dead in our sin, but God made us alive with Christ. We were dead branches, but then Jesus comes and raises us to life and we put our faith in Jesus and now we're alive. Who we are has changed, so now what we do has changed. You could say it like this, the new who produces new do. New who produces new So if you look at your life and you look at what you do and that worries you, that scares you, brings questions to your mind about who you are, then Paul says this, you should test yourself and see whether you're in the faith. You shouldn't leave here thinking, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do better. No, Paul says, test yourself. See whether you're you're really in the faith, whether you're really a child of God. John 1, we said this earlier, to as many as believed him, he he gave the right to become children of God. Now, sometimes kids act out of character with who they are. And it doesn't change the fact that they're kids. But you have to examine, Paul says, and really find out, am I a child of God? Have I given my life to Jesus? Because if so, Jesus is saying, then you're a a live branch that's going to produce fruit. That's all there is to it. Because faith always produces works. A new who always produces a new do. And our Father is the one who does this in us. We're dead, but then through Christ, He makes us alive. And who we are changes from the inside out. We're made alive with Christ. We're made alive with the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of us. And Romans 7 says, now we we serve God and we love God and we obey God and, and we worship God in a new way. Not in the old way of the written code where I try to do more and do better and try harder. No, now I serve God and obey God and live for God and worship God in the new way of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit changes me from the inside out and changes my my desires and my thoughts and what I'm passionate about and what I'm excited about. It changes me me from the inside out. And my guess is if you've been made alive with Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, then you're sitting here going, yeah, that's true with me too. That's happened in me too. I've been made alive with Christ and I want more and more and more of God. I love worshiping God. I love reading my Bible. I love serving other people. I love being generous to other people because the Holy Spirit has changed me from the inside out. And I don't know why I love doing these things before. Before it was boring. I hated doing all this stuff, but now I can't explain it but my desires have changed. Who I am has changed from the inside out. Paul says in Romans 7, that's living and serving in the new way of the Spirit, where a new who produces a new do. And so your question might be, well, if it's all God, then that's great. I don't have anything to do with it. (laughs) I can just sit back and just watch God do his thing, and I've got no role whatsoever in the matter. It reminds me of when we come home from vacation and we've got bags in the car and I tell my boys before they ever leave the car, I tell them, okay, we're, we're pulling up. Um, we're going to unload the car and uh, we're going to keep doing it until it's done. Okay. So you're going to take a bag in. I have to explain this to him. Okay. So you're going to take a bag in and then you're going to come back and you're going to get another bag and then you're going to go back into the house and then you're going to come back and you're going to get another bag. And what they'll tend to do is because they know that I'm going to probably do it or, you know, whatever. 
they'll get a bag or they'll get their backpack and they'll go inside and I never see them again. I'm like, Coben, Levi, come back out. We're not done. Come back out. We're not done. They think, oh, that'll do it. I don't have to do it. He's going to do it for me. And while that's true, and I am the one who's doing it, I want them to help me. I want them to be involved. And so we do it together. But if they have the attitude that's kind of like, oh, well, God's going to do it. I don't have to really do anything. And, and, and I'm just going to sit inside and I'm just going to watch him and, and, and he'll do it all. I, I don't really like that attitude and nothing really changes in them when they have that kind of attitude. No, no, no. They have a role and so do you. And so you say, well, what's my role? You just told me God's the one that does all this. He's the gardener. He places his spirit within me now and he moves me and he changes me. And yes, all that's true. But you have a role to play. You have a role to pray in, 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 this, in this pruning, in this changing, in this growing. So what's your role? What's my role? Well, here's what Jesus said a few verses later in John chapter 15. Jesus says this, remain in me. Let's all say this together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Remain in me. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. You're going to yell. I know when Tech won the final four, when that guy got that technical foul on Mooney and they went down, you were freaking out. I was crying. Okay. My, my son's calling me on the phone. I was with some friends watching the game. He's crying and yelling about it and screaming about it. And I'll start crying all over again. Cause my son's crying. You know, it was crazy. My wife's like, why are you crying? Okay. I mean, it's basketball. Okay. Uh, it's 20 year olds in uniforms, you know, dribbling a ball. I'm like, I don't know. I've been a tech fan for 30 something years. Okay. So, but we're all, we, 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 we yelled a lot louder. Okay. When that happened. Okay. So, so on the count of three, ready? One, two, three, remain in me. Much better. Okay. Remain in me, Jesus said, as I also remain in you. No branch, watch this, no branch can bear fruit by it itself. It must remain in the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the true vine. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, oh, here, here it is again. Jesus says, remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you, here's it again, remain in me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But watch this, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like that branch that is thrown away and wither. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burn. In other words, Jesus is saying here that the branches who bear fruit and that he prunes and they bear even more fruit remain in him because they want to. That's the natural overflow of being a branch that's alive, that bears fruit, is you want to be with Jesus. You remain in Jesus because you know apart from him, I can't do anything. I can't do this on my own. I can't cut off the branches that aren't bearing fruit that are dead in my life, even as a follower of Jesus, that are holding me back, that are keeping me from experiencing all that God has for me. I can't, I can't do that on my own. I, I, can't, I can't prune myself and make myself even more. No, no, only God can do that in me. But Jesus says my role, my part to play is to remain in him, is to stay close to him because I can't do it by myself. This past week, I took my daughter to gymnastics and um, it's always funny watching little girls do gymnastics because they can't really do much without a spotter and Nixon's getting better and she can do a lot of things and she can push herself up on one of those bars I don't know what you call it but, but she can push herself up on the bar and she can do somersaults and and cartwheels and all this kind of stuff and so she's gotten a lot better and she can do a lot of things on her own but now they're teaching her group to do one-handed cartwheels and every time they do it I'm just like oh it just makes me sick okay so so I feel like their arms gonna snap and it's just not gonna look right okay so but they're doing these one-handed cartwheels and the the spotter that the girls that are working with them are helping them turn as they go but what never fails to happen, I mean, it never fails with a group of all these girls is 
They're talking and they're talking about hair and they're talking about this and they're giving each other. I mean, even at five, this is what they're doing. I mean, they're already doing some of this stuff. And so they're talking and the teacher will always have to get on to some of the other girls or turn around and say something to the other girls in the group. And so I'm watching this go on and I'm watching this happen. And this one girl's doing the one handed cartwheels with her spotter. And then all of a sudden the teacher turns around and she's getting on to some of these other girls to get quiet. Well, the girl just thinks she's going to do it on her own. And she goes to do a one handed cartwheel and boom, just smashes her face into the ground because she didn't wait on her spotter. She went ahead without her. Now I was laughing my head off because it's funny. But it's not too funny when it's your life and my life and we come crashing to the ground. See, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you've got to remain in me. You've got to stay close to me. The the Greek here, the Greek word for remain, I, I, I love it and I love the depth of the meaning here. Here's what it means. It means to stay. It means to continue. means to reside. Some of your translations say abide. And this is an active verb. You might think, well, to remain, to abide, to reside, that sounds like real passive, like there's not a lot of work involved there, like it's still kind of all God. No, 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 no. This is an active verb in the Greek. Meaning you have to actively stay, actively continue, endure, remain, abide, reside. It's an active thing that you have to choose to do. Here's the best example I can give you. Today we were out at the mall. I picked up my kids from school and they wanted to go and get my wife. Um, Somehow my wife is turning 29 again this year. I don't know how that happens, but like every year she turns 29. And and, uh, so, so for her 29th birthday, uh, she even had 29 on her cake. I mean, it's just, it's a whole thing. So, um, so my kids though, they want to get her some gifts. And so we go out to the mall and we're getting them some gifts, you know, getting her some gifts and they're put, they're spending their money to do it. And, and so we're out there doing it and, um, it, it never fails. Every time we, anytime we go in a store, we're walking down the thing. I always tell my daughter Nixon, I'm like, okay, hands, we got to hold hands. And sometimes she's, she's all about it. You know, and other times she's like, no, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, you know, whatever. So we're, we're, we're in these stores, we're at the mall. And anytime she's not holding my hands, I have to continue to do this. Like as I'm walking, like literally like walking, I'm having to find her because all she has to do is to spot some earrings or a necklace or some shoes and she's gone. She is gone. Okay. And so I'm constantly having to say, Nixon, stay right here. Stay with me. We were looking at some tech gear and she's hiding in the the clothing. I'm like, stop hiding from me. Come out. You got to stay with me because if you don't stay with me, I'm not going to know where you're at and you'll get lost. And if you run off to go look at those earrings and we we're we're still walking and I don't know that you've run off, then you're going to get lost and you're not going to be with me. And something bad's going to happen. Someone's going to come and take you and we'll never see you again. Okay. We're trying to scare to death. Okay. You have to. Her tendency is to wonder. It's not to stay with her dad. Her natural bent is to wander away. It's to see something she likes and to run after it. And in doing so, she's running away from her father. She's running away from her safe place. As the old hymn says, our hearts are prone to wonder. It's still true for me. My heart is prone to wonder. To walk away from God to get distracted, to see something or to feel something or to want something and to go after it and in doing so, walk away from my heavenly father. And so now maybe you can see why this is an active verb, Jesus says. You've got to remain. You've got to stay. And so it's not a passive thing. No, to stay close to Jesus, I've got to actively pursue him. 
I've got to decide moment by moment. I've got to stay with him. I've got to stay next to him because I'm prone to wonder. That's my natural bent. That's my inclination. So I've got to actively reside, abide, remain, stay. I've got to actively decide to stay with him because when I don't, my heart is prone to wonder. So Jesus says, remain in me. Stick with me. Stay with me. Continue to be with me. And as you do, I will continue the good work that was begun in you. I will continue to change you from the inside out and cut the bad stuff away and cut that relationship away and cut that situation away and cut that sin away and then cut that sin away again and then cut that sin away again. I will continue to do that in you and to prune you and to cut the bad stuff away so that you will prosper and flourish and grow so that you will become even more fruitful. And so you want to follow Jesus. You want to turn away from sin, that sin that you continue to go back to, that person that you continue to go back to that just brings pain and destruction into your life. That habit, that addiction, the porn addiction that you just can't shake. getting wasted week after week after week. Sleeping with this person and that person and this person and that person. Our hearts are prone to wonder. If you want any of that to change, the answer isn't do better, try harder, don't do that this week. That's not the answer. There's no hope there. If I want to be a godly husband, a godly dad, a godly son, brother, sister, student, worker, whatever it is. If I want to be a godly pastor, there's nothing special about me. If I want that to be true in my life, the answer is not try harder, do better. I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to, I'm going to try harder this week to not do that and to do this. That, that's, that's not the answer. There's no hope in that. That's not the answer. This is the answer. Remain in Christ. Jesus says you remain in me. Then I'm with you. And then anything's possible. Anything's possible. We'll get rid of that sin. We'll kick that addiction. We'll kick that habit. I'll give you the confidence and the security that you need to get out of that relationship. To stop sleeping around. To stop cutting yourself. You remain in me. And anything's possible. Many of you know this, I've been around for a while, but when I was 17, my parents got divorced and it was a brutal, brutal, ugly divorce. It brought all kinds of pain into my family, different people battling with depression, anxiety, suicide, uh, people responding, brothers and everyone responding in different ways, getting wasted, getting high. I mean, all kinds of stuff, you, you, you name it. One of us was dealing with it. One of us was, was battling with it. And um, when I was 18, my mom put us into family counseling. And I'll never forget a counselor asking me as an 18-year-old, just graduated from high school, Clayton, what are you going to do? What are you going to do that will keep you from repeating the same things in your family one day? Now, how much more real probably for 50% of us in this room can we possibly get? What are you going to do to keep from repeating the same things that have happened in your family, the same things that have been modeled for you, the same things that have happened in maybe your friend's family, 
What, what, what are you going to do to keep that from being you? I would be willing to bet right now, regardless of where you're at in life, you would love to maybe not repeat some of the same things you've seen in your life, in your family's life, or in your friends' families' lives. I would be willing to bet you would do anything to make sure you do not repeat those things. And that counselor looked at me and said, Clayton, what are you going to do to not repeat in your family, what you've seen happen and the family you've grown up in. I'm sure you can imagine as an 18-year-old, I had no idea what to say. I said, I, I, I don't know. Because at the time, I saw a lot of myself and my dad. And at the time, I didn't have a lot of hope for that. And maybe some of you don't either. It's like, well, what's the point of getting married? What's the point of this? Because if that's what it leads to, if that's what's going to happen, I don't want any part of that. And so you don't want to repeat that. And so I felt very hopeless because I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had just started following Jesus. I had just started reading my Bible. I had just got involved in a small group with some other guys. And, and that summer, I went on a mission trip to Southern Mexico with my youth ministry that I had gotten involved in the church that I was a part of. And while I was on that trip at 18 years old, we, we, we were with this guy, his name's Greg McClanahan. He was the missionary down in Southern Mexico. And he told us over and over and over again on that trip, he would say, guys, you've got to walk with Jesus these next five minutes. The next five minutes, walk with God. Just, just think about these next five minutes. Forget what you have to go back to. Forget what's waiting for you when you get out of here. These next five minutes, walk with God, walk with Jesus. And then the next five minutes, can keep walking with Jesus. And then the next five minutes, keep walking with Jesus. And then the next five minutes, keep walking with Jesus. And you know what? 20 years down the road, one day, if you keep walking with Jesus, just five minutes at a time, you won't believe what God will do in your life 20 years from now if you will just walk with Jesus these next five minutes. And I came back from that trip and I had the hope that I had been longing for. What was I going to do? There was nothing I could do but remain in Jesus these next five minutes. came back with hope. And so my challenge for you is to forget what's awaiting for you after the service, what you have to go back to, what tests you've got, what's happening in your family, what's happening at work. These next five minutes, would you just remain in Jesus? Would you make the most of this opportunity just to be here with Jesus? Five minutes after that, stay with Jesus. It's not a passive thing. This is an active thing. If you're going to stay close to your father, you've got to remain in Jesus. You know, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what are the ways that God has given us to remain in him. It's not some just some ethereal idea some pie in the sky thought. He's given us ways to remain in him. We'll talk about that next week. And then week three, we'll talk about what does this literally produce and result in? And I wanna give you just a glimpse of it. I wanna give you a glimpse of what remaining in Jesus these next five minutes could do in your life. Check this out. This is Psalm chapter one. Oh, the joy Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But watch this. The joy of those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit. Does that sound familiar? They're like trees that, that bear fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. And then watch this. They prosper in all they do. You want to prosper in all you do? 
You want that to be true of your life? You want your life to look like this, like a tree that's planted along a riverbank bearing fruit that breathes life, that never withers, that prospers. This is what God wants to do in your life. And in the series, we're talking about how, how to get there. And tonight, I wanna challenge you that your hope for this is to remain in Christ these next five minutes. We moved out of that house I was telling you about in 2013, that was almost six years ago now. And so that tree has continued to grow. The work that we began in it has continued over these last six years. And so that little ugly shrub that grew a little bit in the time that we were there, now six years later, looks like this. Towering above the house. Now you're gonna have to give me a little bit of a break. This was taken a few weeks ago, so there's not fruit and there's no leaves or anything like that. But you can tell what has happened in the time that we've worked on it and cared for it and pruned it and cut some branches off and got rid of some dead stuff and got rid of some other things that were alive. But, but for the sake of the tree, we, we got rid of those and we made it even better. And now today, that little ugly shrub looks more like the tree it was designed to be. It looks more like who it really is. And so tonight, I just want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And I know some of you are here tonight and God's spoken to you in some way tonight, I believe. And he's done something in your heart. He's revealed something into your life that you know the Holy Spirit's telling you like, hey, we got to get rid of this. We got to cut this out. We got to prune this. We got to prune it back so that you can be even more fruitful. And if that's you, I want to ask you to do something brave and just say, yeah, that's me. And to stand up right where you're at. Say, God is telling me there's got, there's some things that need to be cut out of my life that need to be pruned. That's you. I want to ask you to stand up, to be bold and say, that's me. I need God to do something in my life tonight. Appreciate that, brother. Way to go. Anybody else? You're standing saying, I can't do it. I can't do this. I haven't been able to do this. My heart's prone to wonder. So you're asking, you're coming to God, the gardener saying, God, would you do it in me? I can't, I can't do it for myself. I need you to do it for me. God, I pray tonight for each person standing that you would now fill them with your Holy Spirit. You would give them the strength and the power, God, to turn from this sin. God, I pray that you would break the chains that this sin is holding them down. God, I pray that you would break those chains off of them, that you would remind them that even right now, as it says in Colossians, that the record of their sin has been nailed to the cross and the enemy no longer has any power over them, cannot hold anything over them because their sin has been nailed to the cross and it's finished. And now God, I pray that you would give them a passion to remain in you these next five minutes and then the next five minutes and then the next five minutes, knowing that as they wander away from you, they'll fall, they'll trip, they'll stumble. And so help them, God, help each one to stay close, to reside, to abide, to remain. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. And now let's all stand. We're gonna sing, we're gonna worship, and we're gonna thank God that to as many as believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. And that, John says, and that is who we are. 
That's who you are. And so Jesus, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. And God, now in this moment, in these next five minutes, would you do a work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit? Change us from the inside out, we pray in Jesus' name.